0: The Apostle Paul said that the sexually immoral, idolaters, liars, thieves, the covetous, those who practice homosexuality and commit adultery, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what if some of those people committing those sins are Christians? Are they also banned from the kingdom of God? Welcome back to the Faith of the Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gessler, here to reignite, reignite the faith of the fathers. And I'm glad that you could be with me today. It's an honor for people to tune in and listen. The kingdom of God is not a castle in the sky as many people imagine it, a place that we go after we die to some eternal, otherworldly existence. The kingdom of God is the reality of where we're living right now, that God has become king in and through the person of Jesus, God has established His rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus said in the past tense. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And Revelation, I know a lot of you are going to say Revelation is in the future. I believe it's not revelations; it's revelation. The basic, the the revelation is a is a complicated book, um, but the main thrust of it is the revelation of God's Messiah. Jesus. And it says the kingdom in Re- Revelation 11:15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. That is past tense. He already the transfer of ownership or lordship of the world has already happened. Jesus is king, and this is good and unchangeable news. So whether or not you pray a sinner's prayer or go to church or live a holy life, Jesus is still king it doesn't change the fact that the kingdom of god has come but it is uh certainly possible to live under the realm of a king without enjoying the blessing of uh, without enjoying his blessing uh, and you can also live in rebellion to that rule and reign you can live as an illegal citizen or you're not a citizen you can live illegally within the realm of a king so that is certainly possible. So just because the kingdom of God is here doesn't mean that you benefit from it automatically. So how do we benefit from it? How do we inherit the kingdom of God? This is the question that a young, rich Jewish man asked Jesus when he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the life of the age to come? This is traditionally translated, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But for us, the phrase eternal life is a very concrete idea meaning another world altogether that we enter when we die. That's not what this man is asking about. He is not asking about, how do I know when I die I can go to heaven? He's asking about when the Messiah comes and the dead are raised. And that's what they believed in, that the dead would be raised. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead because all the righteous, all those who are in the covenant, which is what this man is asking about. He's asking, how do I know I'm going to benefit from this covenant that God made with our father Abraham? Those who are declared righteous concerning the covenant will be raised from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn of those people. Uh, And this man wants to know: Will I be one of those people? Will I inherit the life of the age to come? So, uh, we when we start asking, you know, the Bible is a Jewish book. It's a Jewish proclamation. When we proclaim the gospel as the Bible proclaims it, we are proclaiming a Jewish message. So when we start asking the same questions that the Jews were asking in the first century, we know we're properly understanding the text. And Jesus' response to this young man is not the Calvinist response, as many people think. Jesus says to him, Why do you call me? The first thing he says is, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. For many of us, we believe that Jesus is giving a Calvinistic answer, which is he's trying to tell this man, you can't be good enough for God, you can't do anything, uh, so stop trying. That's, That's what a lot of us believe he's saying there, but I do not believe that myself. Jesus isn't giving a Calvinistic answer. What Jesus is doing is he's setting up this man to accept his answer as God's answer. He's saying, you're coming to me calling me good. So if I'm good and we don't know that only God is good, you must accept that the answer I'm about to give you is God's answer. So he's setting him up to understand that what he's about to hear is God's truth that he will hopefully accept. And next, Jesus affirms what this man already believes, that in order to benefit from the covenant that God made with Abraham, you must keep the covenant. You must observe the Torah. And this man says he has done that. He has kept the Torah since he was very young. But he knows there's something still lacking. He says, what am I still lacking? Or maybe he hoped that Jesus would say you're lacking nothing. But Jesus said you're lacking one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And the man walks away sad, which, you know, what Jesus said there could be um, an extrapolation of the Ten Commandments where Jesus said, where God says, thou shalt not covet. But the man walks away sad, and Jesus remarks on the difficulty of entering the kingdom. How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus says in luke eight twenty four so despite the good news and news is not optional, like advice is optional, but news is not op- optional it's factual. it's true whether you like it or not, and the truth is that the kingdom of God has arrived uh, Jesus said it was hard it is hard for the wealthy to enter. God's kingdom. I live in the United States. I don't speak of entering the United States because I'm already here. If the kingdom of God is already present and Jesus is already king, why does Jesus speak of entering the kingdom of God? And I will answer that by asking another question. Can you choose to live in a false reality? Can you choose to live a lie? Or or can you choose to live uh, live as a rebel? Can you live within a kingdom without being a citizen? The answer is absolutely yes. You can live under the realm of a king without receiving his benefit, the benefit of his reign. Um, so uh, the as Jesus preached the kingdom, he was calling people to accept the reality that he was establishing, which is the only reality that God is king and has become king in and through Jesus. Um that a central part of Jesus' kingdom of God campaign was about revealing the true nature of God as opposed to what God's people assumed and anticipated. If we accept the truth, we will enter the kingdom. If we do not accept the truth, we will remain in bondage in the kingdom of darkness. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the truth is that this young man, this young Jewish man, would not accept that God, through his Messiah Jesus, Is his security, provision, and happiness. The young man trusted in the lie that his money could give him more than God, and so he refused to enter God's kingdom. So, despite the glorious gospel, which is reality and not an option, it is possible to fail to enter God's kingdom. Or do you not know, Paul says, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those habitually drunk, nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers, nor will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, New American Standard Bible. Those who fail to enter God's kingdom do not fail to enter because they weren't good enough or because God rejects them. They fail to enter because they don't want to. Paul clarifies that the church comprises of people who were all these things he listed, adulterers, homosexuals, prostitutes, liars, thieves, etc. But they aren't those things anymore. They were baptized into Jesus and changed their identity, which changed their legal status from alien to citizen in the kingdom of God. They entered the kingdom of God. But is it possible for us to go back? Is it possible for you to get enslaved to sin again? Yes. And if you are a slave to something, you are no longer saved. The Israelites... Who are the foundation of our understanding? They should be the foundation of our understanding of salvation. They were, uh, and another word for salvation is deliverance. They were slaves in Egypt, and they were delivered and brought into freedom through the blood of the Lamb, through the Passover. They would not have said that they were slave, that they were saved while they were still in Egypt, while they were still slaves. They would not said that they are saved. Many of us are saved in uh, a lot of our area in, in a lot of life, but there are certain areas of our life that we are still chained to something, and in that area we are not saved and I know for a lot of people that's like a panicky for me to say it like that that's a panicky uh it, it causes panic because we are so worried about this um you know having my hand stamped like you're going to a festival for getting into heaven. We've missed the point altogether. The point is not getting to heaven. The point of heaven, the the point is heaven getting to you, heaven transforming you. You shouldn't be worried about the final day with whether or not your hand is stamped. You should be concerned with whether or not you are free right here, right now. It is for freedom, that Christ has set us free. So don't be subject again to the yoke of slavery. That's what the apostle Paul says. He says, it, obviously, it's possible. He says, don't get enslaved again. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Salvation is about being free. Salvation is deliverance. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When I was homeschooled, I heard people say to my parents all the time, what are your kids going to do when they enter the real world, which apparently means college and the workplace? And my dad always replied, at what point of normal life do a bunch of adolescents get thrown together for eight hours at a time? And the answer is clearly never again. What we believe to be normal life is often highly dysfunctional. Jesus said that you must be born again because accepting the truth above perceived reality is like entering an entirely different world, like traveling from the womb into life on earth. If the gospel is good news, if it's a fact, and it's here, Why isn't everyone affected by it? Why haven't we all been changed by it automatically? Why don't don't some people want it? We justly celebrate the birthdays of humans. Birth is worthy of celebration. But every child born had to go through a kind of death to get here. The old world of the womb passed away and the new world has come. Being born again requires ending our old life, surroundings, and identity. So Jesus is calling us. The kingdom of God is here, but you can stay in the womb if you want. You can, excuse me, you can be, you can be stuck in that. You can choose to live in a lie. You can choose to live in deception, and the nature of deliverance is is repenting of a lie, accepting the truth, and then being. Have, that opens the door, and then you can walk out. But many of us choose to live in our lie, live in our lies. Uh, we might be grateful that nobody um, gave us a choice to leave the womb. It's the gift of God. Life is the gift of God. Nevertheless, even a baby can resist the life of the age to come. Think about this. The, uh, this is what the young Jewish man asked: How can I inherit the life of the age to come? A child in the womb has an entirely different life than it is known for nine months waiting for them on the outside of the womb, uh, and so they. But they can still resist that life that is coming. I've prayed with many people over the last couple of years and I've heard the stories of several women who were traumatized when they were conceived or they had lies hanging over them so that they didn't want the baby that they were birthing. And when the time for transition from womb to world came, the baby simply wouldn't come out and the lies until the lies were broken. The baby refused to enter a world of rejection and only came when there was hope for love. This is the reason that some people don't enter the kingdom of God. It's not because they're such wicked people. Sometimes uh, religious people will look at look down their noses at people outside their particular church group denomination as if they're just such filthy people. They're not even Christians, you know. We kind of have that that kind of attitude. But the reality is, many of them are afraid to come to God because they are afraid of rejection, and that rejection comes from experiences they've had from people, many times from people who called themselves Christians. So they refuse to enter a world of rejection, and they will only come when there's hope for love. Salvation is not a one-and-done kind of thing like getting your hand stamped to go into a festival. Salvation is deliverance from the power of darkness, which is an ongoing thing requiring multiple levels of deliverance, and it is possible to enter God's kingdom and run right back into the kingdom of darkness again. Christians get very panicky over the idea of losing their salvation because of the dualistic, non-Jewish presentation of the gospel, which we are used to, that division between heaven heaven and hell, and where are you going to go when you die eternally. Many wave the banner of once saved, always saved, in an attempt to feel secure about their salvation— so that they can put away the fears of hell, hell instilled in them when they got saved at the revival service. Uh, but if a Christian is addicted to drugs, are they saved from addiction? If a Christian is addicted to porn, are they saved from lust and the destruction that comes with it? If a Christian commits suicide, will they not die? People say stupid things at funerals, like it's time. it was God's time for Billy to die, but it was Billy who pointed a gun at his head and pulled the trigger Because Billy was so addicted and so depressed and so hopeless, he didn't want to go on living. Don't blame God for that. And don't whitewash a a wall of evil like suicide. Billy was not saved from a lot of things. Salvation is not a status, but a reality. No Israelite would have said that they were saved while they were slaves in Egypt. They had to be free and entering the promised land to be considered saved. And the actual fear that we have is not whether or not we are saved. The actual fear that we have is whether or not we are loved. It doesn't take a rocket science or a theological scholar to determine whether or not someone is saved. A simple observation of life can determine whether or not you are saved. Are you depressed? You need salvation from that. Are you addicted? You need salvation from that. Are you bitter? You need salvation from that. The panic over eternal security is a concern about being loved. Am I loved by God while I'm addicted? Yes, I am. Am I loved by God while I commit adultery? Yes, I am. Am I loved by God while I'm a Satanist? Yes, I am. But I am not saved while I'm doing those things. I'm not saved from those things. The You know, uh, am, am I saved while I am doing any of these things? No. The obvious answer from observation is no. The Bible's answer is no. The Apostle Paul's answer is no. You need deliverance. And the other the, the other word for deliverance is salvation. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be delivered. That is the story of the Bible. It's a story of deliverance. It's a story of Israel in Egypt being delivered from their enslavers. And if you are a slave to intrusive thoughts, if you are a slave to to addictive habits. If you are a slave to uh, habits of sin, you are not saved. You're not free, but you are loved. So be of good courage because it's the love of God. It's God's immense love for us even while we are still sinners, even while we are his enemies that gives us the faith to be delivered. But those who are still stuck in sin cannot inherit the kingdom of God because it's impossible. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and the wages of sin is death. And if you're involved in sin, you're going to be paid death. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God, not because God doesn't want you to have it. It's because you won't accept it because you're choosing your sin over over, uh, freedom. At the end of the day, We are all going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and you're either going to get delivered or you're going to face the consequences of your sin, which is what we call hell. I don't know exactly what that will look like. I don't really want to know. But it's not going to be good. And the Bible says that he's going to destroy, you know, that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And if you're clinging on to a devil, if you're clinging on to a demon, and I have prayed with many people who have been so attached to their demon that they are afraid to let it go. They literally know that they have a demon, but they don't know who they'll be without it. And so they don't want to let go of it, which is a perilous place to be because it means that the devil has stolen your identity. The gospel requires faith, not because God is some fairy who likes make-believe land, but because God must be trusted if we are to enter and exit the birth canal. You will not surrender to God if you do not trust him. If you believe God isn't merciful, gracious, kind, patient, gentle, self-controlled, wise, generous, loving, devoted, faithful, just, etc., you will not come to him. You must repent, that is, change your mind about your perceptions of God to enter God's kingdom. And the change of mind will transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Some of the people I've prayed with uh, for deliverance said that afterwards they feel like they were born again, again. And that is actually what has happened? You know, like, not in that they had to be re-baptized, but that there was another part of them. When they got saved, you know, if you genuinely got saved, there was a part of you that got saved. But that's the beginning of it. And then there are all these other things where God has not yet had, you have not given it over to God yet. And so you kind of lived and it's almost like you got you forgot God because you were so lost in your sin you couldn't. Uh, you you were. You couldn't see him. There was a wall between you. You know, as the scriptures say, "There's a your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God." And when you give those over, it's like being born again because of that area of your life you have been delivered. You have been saved all over again. It's the fullness, the fullness of salvation. And that is what we're pursuing. So changing your mind won't kill you, but a death will incur, occur. Changing your mind won't kill you, but it may feel like it. I've prayed with several people, like I said, who have been so used to their demons that they are afraid to let them go. Uh, if you, the, the simple solution is you must be born again. In that area of your life, you must be born again. You must change your mind. A death will occur, but it will not be you dying. It will be that life-sucking leech called the devil and the false identity he weaved into you. The real you will emerge out of the water as a new creation. So this doesn't mean you need to be baptized again if you've already been baptized. It just means you need to apply your baptism to that area of your life. If anyone is in, Messiah, is in the Messiah, there is new creation. Old things have gone, and look, everything has become new. God will not exclude anyone from the benefits of His kingdom. Those who will not enter are those who refuse to enter. So, what do you choose today? What are you holding on to that keeps you from full surrender? And what is holding on to you? This this uh, podcast is not in any way meant to scare you um, about hell. You know that's not that's not the burden of my song. Uh, I don't believe that's the burden of the Bible. The Bible doesn't talk that much about hell. It truly doesn't. Um, It does talk a lot about judgment. And, you know, if you are living in sin right now, it's because you're living out of a lie. The the sin, the slavery that you're in already is judgment. It is the fruit of a lie. And so you must repent of the lie and be saved from it. And this is the thing. You know, Christians are so, so many Christians are, uh, say, Christians can't have a demon And it's just, uh, it's an absolute lie from the pit of hell because that's what's keeping Christians bound. It's pride. Honestly, it's pride. Why can't Christians have demons? If Christians can do what everybody else does, why wouldn't they have demons like everybody else does? Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. If you're believing a lie, if you're living in a lie, you need to be saved from it. And like I said, you know, you may be confused about what I'm saying today because— You're so used to thinking of salvation as that rubber stamp on your hand. Don't think of it as a status. Salvation is not a status. It's a reality. You need to be free. The question is not, will I go to heaven when I die? The question is, am I free right now? Am I bound to fear right now? Am I bound to depression? Am I bound to addiction? Because if I am, I'm going to repent so I can be free. If you don't want to be free right now, what makes you think you're going to want to be free when you die? You are already living out what you believe. And if you are living right now in bondage to something, it's because you haven't wanted badly enough to be set free from it. That can change, and it needs to change right now. Every person is going to go through deliverance, or they're going to be condemned. That is the option. Because when you stand before God, who is the truth, you're not going to be able to live in lies anymore. And you're either going to embrace the lie knowing it's a lie, Or you're going to accept the truth and receive the deliverance that you could have received right now, but you refused because of your pride or whatever it is. So Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you right now are not walking in complete freedom, then there's an area of your life where you need deliverance. Maybe you have a demon inside you. Maybe you have a demon oppressing you on the outside of you. Maybe you just believe a lie and it's an open door that a demon could get in. Whatever it is, if there is bad fruit in your life, you need to repent of it and to be set free from it. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is your portion. Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. If you're carrying a heavy burden, if you're stressed out all the time, you're believing a lie. You're not carrying God's burden. These are areas where we need to repent. So if you recognize in yourself right now, you've got addiction problems, you've got depression, you're fearful of everything, you're you're angry because you're worried about the future, it's time to repent. So Jesus, right now, I just thank you that your blood sets us free. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't just set us free once. You set us free over and over and over again. I thank you that you died once and that one death is enough to set us free everywhere and every time we need it. So I just declare, I prophesy to everyone listening, everyone watching today, that you will be free from that addiction. You will be free from that sin. You will be healed of that disease in Jesus' name. By his stripes, we are healed. You were not made for slavery. For the yoke of slavery. So do not turn back to the sla- yoke of slavery again. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So I just declare to you today, you will be free. Keep pressing on, keep pressing in. If you need someone to walk you through deliverance, leave a comment below and we can set up a time to do that. Jesus is still in the deliverance ministry. He will always be in the deliverance ministry because that is what he came to do. The Spirit of the Lord, he said, is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free. to bind up the brokenhearted. So if you need freedom today, let me know in the comments. We're going to get on the phone. You're going to be set free in Jesus' name. All right, God bless you guys. I'll talk to you next time.